The Providence Journal presents Nick and Bob, the college basketball podcast for Rhode Island and around the nation with your hosts, Kevin McNamara and Bill Koch. Hello and welcome to the Providence Journal's Pick and Pop podcast. This is Kevin McNamara. I'm here in Providence with my co-star, Bill Koch. Bill, nice to see you. Very generous of you to call me a star, Kevin. Thank you. Well, we also have a guest star, and that will be one William Reynolds. Bill, nice to see you here in the podcast studio. I hope there's a way out. The the, the posh (laughs) posh. podcast studio. The way out is to have a take, be interesting, and then you'll be excused. I'll I'll excuse him at at one point, because uh, we can ramble on here in the Pick and Pop podcast, but for all of our faithful listeners... Uh, for the next 20 minutes or so. We'll uh, break down the local college basketball scene, maybe a little national uh, view as well. And uh, we're going to start with the PC Friars today, only because they actually play games on a regular basis. Uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But the uh, Friars are coming off a 100-95 uh, to 95 shootout win up at the Heights on Tuesday night, uh, myself and Bill Reynolds were were there, and uh, it was a very different game than the Friars played earlier this week, where they couldn't score and yet still won over Rhode Island, fifty nine to fifty. Bill Reynolds, I, I guess the first question is to you: What does it say about the Friars that they can win both in a shootout and a defensive uh, rock fight? Well, it's certainly good. I mean, obviously, it's. Um, I mean, I think they. They have talent, and mm-hmm. it's young talent, but they have talent, and I think they're pretty good. I think they're better than people thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Can you see them progressing? You know, I, 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 the, answer, sure. the answer is obviously yes. When you start three freshmen, uh, you know, they, they they look different every game. I wouldn't say yeah, sure, sure. I wouldn't say good every game. No, but that's what you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's great if you have a talented freshman to play them. I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. In this day and age, uh, you know, we turn on the TV, we see that with, you know, Duke and Kentucky. But Ed Cooley's decided to roll the dice with uh, David Duke, A.J. Reeves, and Jimmy Nichols right out of the gate. And, you know, certainly we saw great things from A.J. Reeves up in Boston. Oh, absolutely. Now, and the other thing also, Kevin, and it's, you know, like, like I mean, we all know this, that – in this era of kids coming out of high-level AAU tournaments and programs, I mean, the fact that you're a freshman is not what it used to mean. You know, to, you know, the average fan says, oh, he's a freshman. He's never been in the big games before. Well, they've been in big games before against good people. They're not college mm-hmm. games, but they have they have their experience, most of them, and they're not going to back down, basically. And uh, it doesn't surprise me when a freshman comes in and plays well. Well, it's interesting you say that because somebody asked uh, Ed Cooley after the Rhode Island win, geez, you know, how do you think your freshman, you know, held up to the atmosphere of a you know sellout crowd? I think he was more worried about his upperclassmen. <laughs> you know, and Bill Koch, you, you saw that. I mean, did you see a nervousness from any of those kids? Oh, well, when AJ Reeves has eight points in the first three minutes, I think mm. it pretty much says that he's comfortable. Uh, I also think that you know we should make it clear, guys, that Providence is now recruiting freshmen that are at a level that they haven't necessarily gotten before. A.J. Reeves is a top 50 player. Mm-hmm. David Duke is a top 50 player. These guys aren't the sort of rough diamonds that have to come in and be shaped and be polished and be molded a little bit. Half of their roster received four-star ratings from at least one internet scouting service. So I think... Not that that guarantees anything. It doesn't guarantee anything, but it, it gives you maybe a little bit less variance in terms of success or failure. And I think when you see A.J. Reeves play the way he did the other night, 
in a sort of a homecoming game for him right down the street from Brimmer in May where he prepped uh, before coming to Providence. He has 24 points in that game. He hits a huge shot to send it into overtime. I think that these sorts of performances from him and David Duke, who had nine points and nine assists, will become more the norm than the exceptions. Like, oh, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, again, I think it's a, that is a product of national AAU circuits, and guys are not intimidated in a way they might have been a generation ago. Mm-hmm. It's They come in ready to go, and they played against big-time guys, and it's just another game. You know, we've also got to point out that, you know, Providence, in terms of putting themselves in a position to have players like A.J. Reeves and David Duke and, you know, these sort of top 50-ish, four-star-ish guys, they've made the investment. They've committed to Ed Cooley. They've committed to that practice facility, which you guys have both seen. It's unbelievable. They've committed to charter flights everywhere. (laughs) It's better than where I live. They have made the investment and the changes and the commitments necessary to recruit talent like this and compete on this level. No no question. You know, it's interesting. I I think maybe Bill Reynolds should... Maybe we should do a little story on the recovery pod. You know, uh, the recovery pod at, oh, at PC's. Yeah. Uh, the the, Bill, sleep, be, the be, sleep chamber? You'd be good in the sleep chamber, don't you think? It would make you recover well. I'd like to live in a sleep chamber. There you go. <laughs> I think we should have one here. You know, it looks like a giant egg. Now, and, if someone and, had said to you, yeah. uh, put it this way, if you, if you took Joe Mullaney out of the grave, the, you know, the one who built PC basketball, you know, whatever. And, 50 years yeah, ago. Over 50, yeah, 50 years ago. Yep. And you, I mean, and I knew Joe, like I know, I knew Joe very well. Right. And if you ever brought him in from wherever and had him look at college basketball now. And put him in the recovery pod. And put him in the recovery room, whatever. I mean, it would be, it's unbelievable to me. I mean, they are the most... It's the most spoiled, pampered group of athletes in the history of life. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and I'm not being critical of it. I'm just saying that's the reality of it. Sure. Uh, it's not a big deal to play back-to-back. The Ivy League's been playing back-to-back for 100 years. One of these teams plays back-to-back, and there's a, like a press conference. Oh, my God, we're going to play you know, back-to-back. Most guys, many guys play, what, 20 minutes in a game, 25 minutes, 27 minutes. They're, they're in the prime of their life. They're in super shape. They play AAU games in high school, sometimes four in a row in one day. And these coaches act like it's, oh, my God, that they're going out there. My Cooley calls them, my little babies are going out there. It's, yeah. come on, enough. This, that, is, that, that, that's, this is why they need the recovery. This is, enough. This yeah. is the uh, get off my lawn segment of the podcast there. <laughs> <laughs> so to bring it back in a little mm. bit here. Uh, Thank you, Kevin. So, so the Friars are young. You know, we can all agree yeah, on that. I, I think after watching them for, uh, what is it, nine games uh, at this stage, I, I'm more concerned with their upperclassmen than their freshmen. I think the freshmen are good and somewhat consistent. You know, if you look at the way that David Duke and, and A.J. Reeves have played, they've been very consistent. Jimmy Nichols, is, is he's more of the exception. He's uh, he, he has trouble playing without fouling, and I think that's a very f- common freshman occurrence, and we mm. see that across the country. Uh, I think when the Friars can get consistent play from Alpha Diallo and Nate Watson and Malik White, I think they're going to be a very formidable Big East team. No, I think you're right. The other night, uh, Nate Watson was plus 14 in that game off the bench uh, at Boston College. That was a team high. Uh, he's been really good so far and it seems to have embraced that sort of sixth, seventh man role. Um, you also got a, another grizzled vet in Isaiah Jackson who played very well um, against URI and in the previous game. 
Um, I'm taking him you know, as a consistent. I'm putting him in the consistent well, you, class. You should. He, he doesn't really have a bad game. You should because he's you know as 23 a, as an old yeah. man, he's going to go out there against the Fairleigh Dickinsons and the Rhode Islands and the Boston Colleges of the world when maybe the freshmen aren't as up for it or having a tough night. He's going to give you that sort of eight points, five rebounds, couple assists. You know, maybe a steal here. Won't turn it over very often. Those type of those types of depth guys are, are very important on good teams. Mm-hmm. We've seen that before. So Providence's uh, New England tour will continue this weekend uh, after beating uh, again URI and BC back to back. They'll play UMass on Friday uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, and then uh, the schedule will break for uh, exams. Uh, Rhode, I'm sorry, Providence lost at UMass last year, so it's a chance to uh, avenge a loss. And uh, more importantly, just continue marching toward the Big East. Uh, there's uh, only a few more non-conference games left after UMass. Providence will host Central Connecticut and Albany and then go on the road at Texas. So you can't quite see the Big East schedule, uh, the Big East season, you know, in the distance, but it, it's there. And uh, there's a few more hurdles to hop. But, you know, Providence is in position to have uh, – you know, pretty good non-conference uh, slate, record-wise, anyways. Yeah, UMass, uh, who lost at home to Holy Cross this week. Uh, Texas, who lost at home to VCU last night in a, a grinder 54-53 game. Uh, and I think Radford earlier. Yeah, they, they uh, were beaten Texas. by Radford as well. Yep. Um, you know, so that's a game that increasingly looks like one that Providence will have a chance to, to maybe steal there. Um, you know, what I would ask you guys, since you were both at BC the other night, I do feel like Providence stole that game, uh, mm-hmm. considering the, the way the last last 15 seconds played out would you guys have fouled with a three-point lead instead of allowing aj reeves to attempt the tying shot billy you go first there's 11 seconds left you're uh it's 87 84 you're you're up three what do you do i'd foul. well see i I look at it you know i'm gonna waffle a little bit here and uh, i'm not gonna defend jim christian well you've said it before you want to play defense you you think that you should be able to play 10 seconds of defense Or, or at least maybe have someone who can't shoot a three, shoot the three. Right. AJ Reeves is the only guy you don't want shooting the three. How do you so, let him get the ball? Yeah. Right. So right. you know, if you if 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 you tell me that I don't have to foul and David Duke or Isaiah Jackson is taking a contested three, I'd rather play it that way. Especially since uh, Boston College was not good on the on the glass. So basically, you're saying foul and put uh, David Duke on the free throw line. And I'm saying Nate Watson would get that offensive rebound. Or I'd be fearful of that. I'm saying let Duke get it across half court. With about six seconds to go before he can pass the ball, you foul him. Can't disagree there. Can't disagree. I think what Jim Christian was saying was there was 11 seconds on the clock. And once you get over the timeline, strange things can happen. And we could follow you. And, you know, he's obviously not trusting his team to do the right thing. But, you know, it's interesting that we all say, you know, you should foul right away, and yet time after time on TV you see coaches opting not to foul. So, you know, they don't believe that for whatever reason. And it's unfortunate in Boston College's case because that would have been a nice win for them, a fifth in a row. Uh, we saw some good minutes, we should mention, out of Chris Heron Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, played well, particularly in the first half in that game, the Portsmouth native. Uh, Kai Bowman was in big-time foul trouble for the Eagles. Heron came in and he made three three-pointers, which was you know, really nice to see. Billy, obviously, uh, you know, long history with the Heron family. It's, it's, it's. I mean, he's, it looks like he's found a good spot. Yeah, and I'm, um, I'm surprised he's as good as he is because I he is. Um, last time I saw him play, 
he's bigger now. He's bigger. He's more experienced. I was very impressed with him defensively. I, I know he can shoot the ball. But the biggest thing, he wasn't overwhelmed by the game at all. Mm-hmm. And I guess I think that's a product of playing a lot of AAU basketball and whatever. But uh, I, I was very impressed with the way he played. Well, I like the fact that he played 16 minutes and he had zero turnovers. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying he had the ball in his hands the whole time, but uh, he moved out of trouble yeah. numerous times. Yeah. Uh, with no issues at all, and you look on the other side, and uh, you know the obvious one is he went head to head with Makai Ashton Langford for a little bit there in the in the first half, and uh, Makai had a really tough time. He turned the ball over twice in, in two minutes, and, 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 and that's that's the only thing you don't want your backup point guards to do when when you put Chris Heron or Makai in the game. You can't turn it over. You just can't turn you know, it over. You, and you add on to that, Makai is minus six mm-hmm. in two minutes. That That's really, really hard to do. Um, you know, Alpha Diallo fouls out. David Duke fouls out. Those are two of your – Malik White fouls out. Three of your primary ball handlers. And you still only go to Makai Ashton Langford for two minutes. That That's that's a situation that you feel like is coming to a head here. Uh, honestly. You, you really do. Well, I, I think what's shaken out is that uh, Ed Cooley is trusting Malik White more and more, and boy, he, he really bailed him out. Well, he's played better. He's, well, it's not even close. He's played like a lot better and is a, is a weapon. He's developing into a weapon. He made two really important shots in, in that game. Uh, and if he can get you know 23 minutes out of Malik White off the bench and 34 out of David Duke, there's just no time for another point guard. Now, that said... I think you need three point guards on your team at all times uh, because a sprained ankle is one play away. And sure, you know that's pretty much Makai's role right now is to is to just get better. Uh, but he's going to have to get better by not playing. You know the really limited minutes. Now everyone would say, "Oh, then he's out of here." Well, why is he out of here? First of all, if you want to transfer, you don't transfer at Christmas time. Your your options are really limited. Uh, you can transfer at the end of the season. We see that in college basketball. You know, there's like a thousand transfers a year. And uh, if you tell me at the end of this year that uh, a sophomore who hasn't played much in two years wants to transfer, it's fine. You know, it happens all the time, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's sure. kind of where we are in college basketball. Oh, sure, sure. I mean, kids want to play. There's no question. And it's not, there's no stigma about transferring anymore. There mm-hmm. used to be, wow, he's going to transfer. No. <laughs> no. And the kids ahead of them are a freshman and a junior. They're, they're back, so not much is going to change, sure. you know, on the Friar roster. But um, let's switch over to URI here. Uh, the Rams. Uh, we were talking about it before we began the podcast. The Patriots seem to play more than the Rams. Uh, you know, they're on this one <laughs> yeah. game a week schedule, and I, I, I'm in the belief that it's really hurting the growth of the young players right now uh, because you only get better by playing. And you know, I guess the proof would be in the pudding once the A-10 starts and they have a regular schedule. But, you know, Bill, right now, uh, Bill Koch, uh, you know, kind of the state of the Rams. You know, they're 3-3, three and three, um, and they have now face a road game, a second straight road game, uh, at the DCU Center against Holy Cross at 1 o'clock on Saturday. And Holy Cross comes in, you know, they just beat one A-10 team, I'm sure, and, you know, they think they can take down another. Well, they don't just face one road game on Saturday. Uh, they only play one more home game before January 13th 
uh, neither this schedule is going to be a real test for them. After the Brown game, which was November 28th, you play one more home game. That's against Middle Tennessee on December 30th. Uh, the three games in Hawaii obviously will help catch them up in terms of, of schedule-wise. They had Nevada buy out of the back end of a home-and-home, home, uh, which cost them a home game. And they weren't able to fill it with another one. And, and you look at you know maybe sort of having difficulty finding an opponent or buying an opponent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played buy games with Bryant. Brown, both for reduced rates, and then Stony Brook, they paid a full rate. They couldn't necessarily find a, a fourth team to maybe buy a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even like you said, you know, nobody really wants to do this, but just to get some run, you could play a D2 or D3 team, to, you know, just to get your guys out there in a, a game situation. But yep. as it is, you, you've got a week in between Providence and Holy Cross. And, you know, as David Cox said Tuesday uh, after practice, you're looking at trying to address these offensive deficiencies because mm-hmm. they're second worst in the country in three-point shooting. Uh, they're in the bottom 10 in effective field goal percentage. It, it's just been a real struggle, and, and we saw it through 40 minutes in the 59-50 loss to Providence. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think Providence offers, you know, a provide, you know, kind of presents some real problems for Rhode Island because of their size, and I think we saw that right away when, you know, uh, the, the keys to the team are obviously the guards, Jeff Doughton and Fats Russell, and neither one could get going against the Friars. The only pl- player who really got going was was Cyril Langevin, who's been having really a good year. They have five double-doubles in a row for Cyril, <coughs> and he's averaging one now. And, and he's not getting in foul trouble for the first time in his career, which is really, really important. Uh, but the question is, is how can David Cox and the staff get the two guards going uh, together at a consistent rate, and that just hasn't happened yet. And you know, I thought Cox was interesting after the PC game, where he said, "You know, we really have to look at our our offense," and, and you know, sounded like changes were afoot. I'll be curious to see what they can do because really, no one else has been able to step up around those three guys. Uh, I think we're all in agreement that Fats Russell he needs to be good. I mean, he can't be this bad. And Billy, you know. Uh, Billy's nickname is Shooter for a good reason. Uh, shooters have slumps, uh, but he just hasn't gotten going yet this year. But I would imagine you think that he can get going. Yeah, well, sure, sure. And um, if he can't, they've got a real issue. Mm-hmm. Um, because just what you said, I mean, they're not real deep coming on, you know, coming off the bench at all. Uh, and is it just one big game, or is it getting to the free throw line? He obviously he's, he's been really, really, really bad shooting threes. But how can Fats Russell get going? Well, I think you, I think you just hit upon it. If you're having problems, if you're shooting, having problems, get to the foul line. Mm-hmm. And the other day, get against, some easy shots. Get some something. Get your confidence back. You know, the incredible thing about that is the other day against Providence, he was one for six at the line. <laughs> well, it, not not even that helped. Well, it's it's astonishing. It, it really is. But you know, Kevin has hit on this before. Fats is a momentum player. Sure. When it's going well, he could score 20 points in 15 minutes before you blink an eye. Sure. We're on the other side of that right now. And I think, you know, the the point about depth is an important one. Last year, if Fats came into a game and missed three shots in a row, Dan Hurley could take him out and bring Jared Terrell back off the bench. Of course. Or E.C. Matthews back off the bench. He doesn't have that option right now. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem because I don't, you know, I have not seen Fats Russell be. What's the word I'm looking for? Consistent? Consistent, number one, and the kind of guy you can build your team around. I just right. don't think he's good enough. Right. Know, he may have flashes where he could be 
like a jump out at you. I just don't think he's talented enough to rely on him night in and night out to carry your team. Yeah, I, just, you know, I just don't see it. No, you're right, Bill. He came into this year as a, as a weapon off the bench uh, and certainly filled that role really nicely last year as a freshman. It's a big jump to being the guy yeah, the, or, or, or the option B. The, the transition the transition's different. From, from yeah. complementary piece to centerpiece is a very difficult one. And that's what he's struggling with right now. But again, I do think that he can be a consistent scorer for the Rams, and that's certainly that's his role. Uh, I'm very concerned about their fringe guys. You know, They have a lot of freshmen with uh, the small P potential uh, that aren't ready yet. And that goes back to the start of the conversation. The only way you get ready is by playing and by seeing minutes. Uh, Tyrese Martin was uh, the only freshman who, who looked good uh, or good enough against the Friars. He had eight points and six rebounds in 20 minutes. Uh, Jermaine Harris, who had played so well against Brown, uh, just dominating with his size, uh, fell into what um, Jimmy Nichols has fallen into. He, it's tough to play without fouling when you're a big guy. You're not used to playing guys who are bigger and stronger than you, and all of a sudden, you know, one bump here is is a f- one, foul one, foul two, foul three, and uh, Jermaine had four fouls in 14 minutes and, uh, you know, was basically a non-factor against against the Friars. Yeah, and they needed him to be good in that game, and obviously it didn't happen. Uh, that opens the door for Nate Watson again uh, to have 12 points and seven rebounds off the bench for, for Providence against URI. Uh, you know, the other guy who you thought coming in was a, you know, could potentially contribute early out of that class was Dana Tate. Uh, played 20 minutes, took one shot against Providence, and I don't know if that says that maybe he's being too unselfish or, or maybe necessarily he hasn't found any sort of comfort yet in the offense, but you would like to see maybe him be a little bit more assertive out there, mm-hmm. uh, You know, maybe try to find his offense. He seems to settle into like the foul line extended sort of elbow spots and, and try to make mid-range jumpers. You know, Maybe there's more there. Uh, I'm sure they're going to push him to, to try and give them a little bit more, but you know, offensively, the, this team just doesn't necessarily seem to fit very well together other than throwing the ball off the glass and, and having Langevin go get it. Um, you know, and maybe Doughton being able to get to the rim every once in a while. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily an assertive group in, in terms of guys who are looking to make good shots or, or make good passes. Uh, you know, in this game, they only had seven assists uh, yeah. against Providence. And I know that's a product of not making shots. Uh, I understand that your assist percentage is, is going to be what it is. Um, you know, but they've they've only assisted on 51% of their field goals. That's That's the middle of the pack in the NCAA right now. You, know, you bring that back to last year, and they, well, they assisted on, uh, let's see here. Don't even don't even bother. I shouldn't go into this, it. This team I? has no resemblance to last year. No, that's true. When you lose six of your top nine and your head coach, it, it's 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 a rebuilding. Yeah, I, I, I thought I I tried to stress that this is a true rebuilding situation. No, absolutely. Now it might not mean you know a horrible record, but it, they are rebuilding on the fly. Oh sure, and it's 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 just like like what you're both hinting at. There's nobody on that team who is right now has the wherewithal to come in and be the guy and score a lot of points. I just don't see it. Now, it may evolve into that. And obviously, as the season goes on, somebody has to at least aspire to that role. But right now, Kevin, it's just what you said. You've got a young team that doesn't have a lot of experience, and uh, they're going to struggle offensively. Well, I also think that you can't 
look at what unfortunately fans do this too much they they look at the PCURI game and like oh you know we scored 50 points you know we see you just turn the page uh it's one yeah. it's one game uh you get a stinker once in a while you got to go up to Worcester and beat Holy Cross and then you move on from there and bill uh you can talk about the schedule between after the Holy Cross game uh you know th- there's winnable games there yeah i'll i'll amend what i said earlier they assisted on 54 and a half percent of their field goals last year this year it's 43-6 which is you know obviously a drop that has to do with shooting and you know myriad other things uh you know in terms of the schedule after holy cross you got another eight days where you have exam break um you know you wait that long to play west virginia do the patriots play twice between uh, those two games they certainly play on the ninth and then they'll play again on the 16th right okay so I they think? play twice right okay. so you know that's a that's a difficult one for sure you would have liked to have seen them try to stick a game in there somehow even if it was an exhibition or whatever but west virginia on a neutral court is a really really it's going to be really hard uh, at mohegan sun which as both of you guys know is a great venue for a game yeah. uh, you know uri yeah. is expecting a pretty strong crowd they included that ticket uh, as part of some of their season ticket packages um, you know, so it's, it's a good take. To, Anyone who hasn't been there, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Mohegan Sun basketball. They're they're expecting to draw well for that. Uh, you know, and then you wait until Hawaii. Uh, you have Bucknell the first game. That that's a coin flip. Uh, if you win, it stands to rights that you'll be playing TCU in, in the second game, which would be a very tough challenge. Uh, Jamie Jamie Dixon has it going there. Um, they're going to be one of the teams in the top half of the Big Twelve. It it stands to reason. But you're guaranteed three games there. Uh, you come back, you play Middle Tennessee, and then you go into the A-10 uh, against St. Louis and, and Richmond. So that's over the next month, that, that's what the Rams are looking at. Uh, the games will start to fill in a little bit, uh, and you just hope that with the passage of time, you know their performance maybe evens out a little bit. Yep. I'm going to wrap things up here. I just wanted to hit uh, Brown a little bit. I saw Brown play Butler last night. Uh, I was uh, at Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, Butler jumped on him early. Uh, I like Butler's team. Uh, I think they're a little better than they were last year, and I think people don't really didn't really expect that. Uh, they have better shooters, a uh, little more size. Although they lost, you know, Tyler Weidman, who's a good player. Uh, I, I think Butler can be one of those teams we've talked about in the Big East. That's uh, you know not in the top twenty-five, but. Uh, bubble team. They're going to be in that mix. And, well, and Brown didn't make any shots last night. I think they were four for 23 from the three-point line. And uh, you're not going to beat anybody when you, when you shoot like that. But, you know, a good game for Brown to, you know, get out of New England, get some experience, see, see a different part of the world. And uh, obviously they're off to a pretty good start at 6-3, and three, I believe, is their record. Well, Butler has one of the best players in the Big East, Kamar Baldwin, who you know obviously is, is going to be a factor going forward. Uh, the guy who stepped up for them last night was Paul Jorgensen, a uh, transfer from George Washington, who ended up going to Butler in a lot of that Mike Lonergan fallout from mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, if, if you remember. Um, you know, Decided that, that he didn't want to continue there after some unrest in the athletic department. We've come to find out that that reached all the way to athletic director Pat Nero. It's a pretty ugly story. You can Google it. It's on Deadspin uh, in great detail. Uh, but Butler, typical Butler in, in my mind, you know, just defending pretty well, making some shots. They they have an identity in a way that they want to play, and it's transcended Brad Stevens and Chris Holtman. And, you know, I, I just feel like that's who they are mm-hmm. as a program. They have built a program. They are not 
teams year over year. That is a Butler basketball program, and, and they've made the sort of investments and, and made the correct coaching hires to sustain that. Okay, that's it. we got to get Reynolds over to the recovery room uh, <laughs> after this uh, long, outstanding Providence Journal Pick and Pop podcast. We'll be back next week uh, with another edition. Thanks, folks.